0: Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here. This is the Neighborhood Watch on Crystal Ball College Football, part of the 365 Sports Network. It is Saturday, August 5th, 1130 Central Time as I'm recording this. Please subscribe to the channel. We are making a massive push right now. Our goal is 12,000 subscribers by the end of August, starting off football season. You all have been crushing it so far. We're about 450, I think. or Actually, we might be less than 400. Yeah, we are. Less than 400 subscribers away from four, uh, 12,000 here on YouTube. So please help us do that. And if you've already subscribed to the channel, uh, take YouTube's uh, YouTube account for your kids, subscribe for them. Uh, also, just like the videos too. That helps get the videos out further as well. That helps kind of the reach of the video. So please do that. Follow us on X or Twitter at NWPod365 at JoshNeighbors underscore. And if you guys can't watch the show, if you're on the move, you're driving, if you're on a walk, whatever, Um, the neighborhood uh, watch can be found, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, all of those places. So the dust has settled from conference realignment. um, And, you know, what now is kind of today's question. I'm just kind of looking back some reflection because this is one of the busiest weeks in my, I think, career of covering the Big 12. And and I'm not saying it's much of a career. I've been doing it since January of 2020. But now at this point in time, you know, that puts us at about, uh, let's see, 36 months would be, January. So yeah, I'm about 45 months at this point in time of covering the Big 12. Y'all don't know. I did it for Sirius XM for three years. I was uh, basically on Big 12 radio with Robbie Triano as the producer. Uh, I was associate producer, Chris Plank, Gabe Eichert, Holly Rowe, Dusty Devoracek, uh, and working with all the cast of folks they've got over there. It was a lot of fun. It was great. I loved it. Three hours a day of Big 12 content. If you guys, this is not enough for you. Sirius XM also a great place to go uh, as well. Love those people over there um if the if the entire three sixty five suites are not enough for you. Uh, and also, you know, I, I did the locked on big twelve, right? And I did that for a while. Uh, obviously that for a few years. And obviously, here at the neighborhood watch now, you know it's this conference has had its ups and downs. Um, and to see them put out the statement yesterday, I think that's where we have to begin. You saw the big twelve statement, and last week when Colorado joined the league, the Big 12 put out a statement just saying they're back, right? That was a statement they put out. I think it was, uh, you know, it was uh, kind of this badass move. It was an email sent out to everybody. And so it was like, and, you know, Brett marks a basketball guy. I think that showed that he is a basketball fan, right? The Michael Jordan's famous, uh, you know, uh, I'm back. And I wanna show you all a statement here. The Big 12 board of directors has voted unanimously, I admit, Arizona State, University of Arizona, and University of Utah to the Big 12 Conference. We are thrilled to welcome Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah to the Big 12. The conference is gathering, uh, is gaining three premier institutions, both academically and athletically, and the entire Big 12 looks forward to working alongside their presidents, ADs, student-athletes, and administrators. Commissioner Brett Yormark. So I think the reason why it's important to point out the differences is this, is the magnitude of what happened yesterday. I think everybody... We, we will not fully understand it, I think, until years and years to come. I think it's a lot of these things because we also – there's been a lot of reflection on like past moves, uh, past conferences breaking up, past issues, whatever you want to say, movements. And so you really don't get the full scope until years afterwards. But I think that statement um, – on a day that's really massive for the Big 12, I think it also kind of in its uh, – the way it's understated, acknowledges that this sport is changing – uh, the college sports landscape is changing, and, you know, we, we did lose something yesterday. I mean, the Pac-12, if they survive, and that's a big question we'll get to here in a, in a few minutes, uh, in whatever version it is, like they – a conference was crippled yesterday. I mean, basically every, every single part of its history was basically stripped away, save Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Washington. Right. And they're a big piece of history that we're going away in USC and UCLA, but Oregon and Washington had history. Utah in their short tenure had history. Uh, obviously, the Arizona schools. They, they've had history as well, too. And so, you know, all these articles are being written right now about uh, what actually you know, happened yesterday and, and like the magnitude of it. And Dennis Dodd talked about it. And I believe Ross Dellinger talked about it, that nobody wanted to be. And Brandon Marcello tweeted about it. Nobody wanted to be the one who pulled the trigger. Right. Nobody wanted to be the one that and that kind of Jenga house pulled the last uh, block that caused the tumbling down uh, of the Pac-12. Nobody wanted to be the one to do it. and It makes a lot of sense. Right. You know, it's it's a conference with so much history and, um, you know, a hundred you know, basically a century of history. And it feels weird and kind of gross and disgusting to do it because we're all just chasing the bag at this point in time. But that is, that is the world we live in. That's college sports that we live in, right? I mean, you know, coaches leave places to go to the best situation possible. Players for a long time are being paid as well uh, under the table, still are being paid under the table. They take the best opportunities possible. And I, I, don't, I don't begrudge anybody for doing those things. Um, you know, you kind of ba- balance the altruism with the reality, right? That we're all chasing the bag. And I think we do ask, though, at what cost? Because you have to think, like, when everybody says what makes the sport special, it's, it's the fact that, it, you know, college football is what we're talking about here because this is what ultimately it's about. College football is special because of the regionality and the rivalries, right? I think people think that, that everybody has their individual traditions. And their individual traditions are surrounded by their location, right? They're, they're, they're driven by their location. They're driven by um, their fan bases. And oftentimes they're driven by their opponents as well, right? you know there's a million different trophies in the big 10 for all the different rivalries and, and games that they have and that makes sense and that, that those things also define your school's culture your school's tradition and we are losing uh, a lot of that and i think it's valid to ask like what are like are we are we right to do this because will people still love the sports if there is a lot of um I guess a lack of symmetry, right? Like a lack of, like of alignment in terms of what people care about. Or, you know, uh, um, I think kind of closeness, right, is what kind of breeds these rivalries, right? Duke Carolina being so close together, such a big rivalry. You know, uh, obviously Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Bedlam, you know, being in the same state breeds the rivalries. Proximity does breed these rivalries. And so uh, the animosity and kind of the, you know, we all, I went to Missouri, you know, and I, there's a lot of people, went to missouri you know people went to kansas right if you went from kansas city you know and you went to high school a lot lot of your classmates went to ku and then uh you know some of your classmates went to k state and then some of your classmates went to mizzou right and so there's kind of this this knowledge this knowing of people and it is that rivalry it is that closeness it is that proximity that oftentimes breeds what we have here you know that missouri and and south carolina have the governor's cup Uh, Or whatever it's called that they play for, I mean, Missouri and South Carolina are in the same division, but the only thing they have in common is that they're both in a town called Columbia. Columbia, South Carolina, and Columbia, Missouri, are very different places, at least in my opinion, right? And so that you're starting to see some of that, and you know, we lost. uh, I'm just once again using the Missouri's example. That's where I went to school. We lost Mizzou KU, and at South Carolina, that's not really much of a trade, you know, not much of a, a good trade. Oklahoma State is losing Oklahoma. Uh, losing bedlam in football and basketball, and they're going to play UCF and Arizona. and, all, and That's great. That's exciting. And it's fun. But they're we're losing the one big one, right? And we saw Oregon and Oregon State's ADs talking yesterday but hey, we, we want to play in all the sports. We want to play each other, but we'll do it as often as we can. That's no guarantee. And eventually, these things do come back around, but they're not the same. They're not the same because when they're in the conference, they mean something. When they're in these conference settings, they mean a lot. Now, if you authentically meet a rival in the postseason, it's really special. Think about Duke and Carolina a few years ago. Oh, my God, how special is that to have that moment, to have them play? That's really, really cool. Um, but, you know, like you, you, we don't have the regular seasons. We don't have those awesome memories being created through, de- through every single game, being played every single year, sometimes multiple times. So I think that's why I think about that statement that Brett Yormark made, and I just think about the magnitude of what happened yesterday And there needs to be some, some serious consideration about, you know, how far does bag chasing go? Because if we're just going to sell the sport out, especially college football, you got to think guys, you know, you you do have to be careful at some point because there are, there is a pro football league, right? The NFL is the top dog. And I, I do have concerns about this. If you disenfranchise too many schools, I love football. I'll watch it all the time, but man, if you disenfranchise too many schools and don't let some schools be a part of the big show, and we'll get to that in a little bit here with the CFP. Um, <clears throat> you got some serious questions about like how popular the sport's gonna be. If you're a K-State fan, they don't give you a shot to play top dogs. You know, you'll watch your team play if there's a second division or whatever, but man, if I'll watch my schools play, I'll watch if they have to play, play. But am I gonna watch Alabama and, and only play Clemson if I don't, you know, there's there's no really reason to because my my team's not in the same sport. Cause my team doesn't compete. We care about, you know, we care about our schools. We care about the sport because our, our schools are able to compete in the sport. Right? Like I guess with the CFP thing now, you know, what makes college football this one connected universe is that in the Rose bowl game, the big 10 does play the Pac 12, right? That happens at the end of the year. Uh, what's the Rose bowl. Now it's basically the big 10 championship game. Right? I know, I know Utah has gone to it the last couple of times, but like the big 10 has schools that have played in plenty and plenty of rose bowls so uh that has to be thought about of you know the idea of hey like you need to be able to play these schools it needs to matter right if i, if I want to why should i watch the icc title game if um my team doesn't really have any stake in like what happens there right you know hey tc fans might watch that game it's okay georgia could be an opponent georgia was an opponent big 10 title game you need to watch all right Hey, if Michigan loses, you know, Ohio State might back in and we might play them instead. There's, there's that connective tissue. We all love great football. We all love the fact it's the same sport. But like, even if it's Ohio State versus Michigan, I think we're all probably going to watch that. But and if it's Michigan versus Penn State, it's a big game, it means a lot. But I think there are some fans out there, and maybe in Big 12 country, it's like, yeah, but those two, those schools became part of a super conference. They gave us the burden, said, eh, Big 12 schools, you know, we're not really give them access to what eventually becomes this elite college football super conference, super level, whatever it is, they don't give access. Like, why should we care about that? And it's not like it's the height of the product. The height of the product will happen the next day on Sundays, right? There is a better version of football. It's called the NFL. And as much as people say, I like college sports more. Well, the, the things that you liked about college sports, the things that people tell me they like about college sports, that's going away. I've had these conversations all the time about college basketball. College basketball compared to the NBA is an inferior product. Here is why. The NBA, there have never been more high level basketball players at the pro level than there are right now. Watching Jimmy Butler carry his team to a finals was absolutely unbelievable. Think about guys like Steph Curry, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid. I mean, you know, that's just like the star players, you know, uh, just the top guys that I named right there. And there's obviously tons more. Think about all the Really high quality star players there are in the NBA. And honestly, right now, like how balanced they are across the board. I mean, looking at right now in the NBA, the Warriors had their championship run, sure, but like different teams are winning right now. Kawhi Leonard had his moment, obviously. Uh, this year, Nikola Jokic had his moment. Now, the Suns came really close. You know, Kevin Durant now is on the Suns, obviously. But, like, that's a super high level of basketball. People say, oh, they don't play defense. Season's too long. They do play defense at the end, but, guys, the shot making just ends up being way, way, way too good. Right? I mean, Jamal Murray, my God. Jamal Murray is an amazing basketball player. He's second banana on a championship team. You know, thinking about stuff like that, like, it's just such a high level. But college basketball has the tradition, has the pageantry. It has the, uh, you know, the rivalries. It has all of those things that we like. But when you watch the actual quality of basketball, I'll use a good example here. Arkansas is a really good basketball team this year. And the problem is you know, they had three five-star guys, three guys who got drafted, Anthony Black, uh, Nick Smith Jr., and Jordan Walsh. But those guys weren't like fully formed basketball players, and it showed like, th- that team couldn't score, and they were not fun to watch for a lot of the time. But they were still this team that beat the number one seed in Kansas, and they had that in them. That was awesome to see, but then they get run by UConn the next game like these teams can't consistently play a super high level of basketball because they're kids and they're guys coming together and they're still learning how to hoop, and so the most, most talented guys in college basketball aren't refined products yet, and that's okay. It's cool, and the sport's still good, but the quality of basketball is still better in the pros. That's why I enjoy watching pro basketball a little bit more than college. You, especially not the high stakes games more. Like the regular season's too long in the NBA. Sure, think about this in the NFL. Like if they start professionalizing. You know, and, and we love the tournament and whatnot. That's why the college basketball gets so much love. If you, if you apply this reasoning, though, the NFL, you start professionalizing college sports, uh, college football, rather, and you're paying the players, right? which is I'm fine with. I'm actually fine with them paying the players. But you're going to go to a situation where through paying the players, uh, through TV revenue, you only have like 40, 50 schools that are competing for a championship. Well, there's a lot of people who get left out. And if you get left out, like, I know people who are fans of James Madison University, who are fans of, uh, say, Sam Houston State, I maybe mean, North Dakota State, right? And those those people really care to school, love, love their school. But, like, I'm going to go watch JMU versus Richmond after my North Dakota State game because maybe JMU versus Richmond has more impact on what happens to my school. So I might go watch that. Now, I might just be wrong here. But – if it's like, well, you know what, my, K-State or Oklahoma State, which it feels bizarre to think those schools get left out, but like we just saw Oregon State and Washington State do it. Oregon State just won 10 games and played Florida in a bowl game. I know Florida didn't care, but they waxed Florida in a bowl game. That should matter, right? That, that's And that, like, that kind of stuff should matter, and we should include schools like that in whatever the future of college football is. But that school, that school might get left behind, guys. <clears throat> I mean, next year, they're talking about the CFP, they're talking about potentially changing, changing the number of schools uh, or in the automatic bids. They, they, you know, I saw a couple conference commissioners have said, uh, or members of the, of the college well board told, I think Ross Dellinger, like we might need to amend whatever we're doing because um, you know, what we're doing right now, like it's not going to work. There aren't six, six conferences that deserve it. And so if you, you play this thing out, like the, the conferences are going to take control of this thing. Once again, the college football playoff is not some NCAA sanctioned event, right? If they take control of that, guys, it's a good, and I'm not saying this is bad. If you want the top, the top, you know, everybody to get involved at the end, but still, I think access should matter because if everybody at least has an opportunity to get there, so just say you still do five conference champions and it's seven AQs uh, or seven at large bids, like you still have a chance for a, a lot more involvement from different conferences and leagues. And I think that's good. I, that's a good thing, right? That keeps everybody invested because everybody has a shot. What I, and look, do you have actually have a shot? No, not a lot of the time, you don't. But 16s have beaten ones. Um, you know, it, it, strange things do happen, it does give us these amazing moments. And look, maybe we get an amazing moment, an amazing upset along the way. But here's the thing in the end, we'll probably still get our same champion, which is good because the best team should win. So I think there's a way because people are like, you know, there's really only 18 teams that can win. And Bud Elliott says this all the time, I like Buddy's really smart. 18 teams can win it anyway. And you know, not everybody's actually on the same playing field, but guys, not all college basketball teams are on the same playing field either. But every single one in Division One has a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. One-bid leagues, and there are 11-bid leagues. We have all of that wrapped into college basketball. It's what makes that tournament so strong, and that's why people prefer... The, people think about college basketball they mean the NCAA tournament. That's why they prefer it to the pros, because of, of the magic of the NCAA tournament. It's not because the quality of basketball. It's because the magic of the NCAA tournament. If you do this 12-team playoff and, you know, we're seeing Cincinnati gets to host a 12-seed LSU, right? And just Or, or another example now, uh, uh, Tulane, you know, beats uh, USC last year. Uh, just say it happens again and they get to play them, you know, at home. Uh, Yuleman Stadium gets a CFP game, whatever you want to say. Like that could present a special moment, a special opportunity that we're all excited to see. If And I'll tell you all, I said this yesterday, I've been to these big games. I have been to the big football games, the big corporate settings. And it is not, it's not the most fun in the world, right? Um, it's not the, like, like, it's just, it's a weird setting sometimes. And so, you know, you have to be careful about how much of the college football aspect, like you remove from college football, if that makes sense. Uh, it's going to get professionalized in some ways. We're, this, this, is a, this is a big step towards that yesterday. And it was always going to happen because there's always too much money to be made not to, but we're going to ask these kids to pay, play 17 games. I assume we're going to get paid and I assume we're going to start forming a super league. All right. And schools will get left out and we have to ask ourselves and we start leaving out more and more schools in a college football. Still, this is uh, yeah, it's the pinnacle of college football, but the pinnacle of football is Sundays. NFL. We all watch. You have to be careful about how much you dis- disenfranchise certain fans fans still need to feel a connection to what's happening with LSU and Alabama because if our school, you know, if, uh, Missouri all of a sudden can't be in the same games as them and we're playing in a different league and, and those schools, we can't really, you know, even, even touch like, what's the point, right? What's really the big point of of paying attention to that game. If we don't feel like there's any connection connectivity, that's why the single bids will at least keep a, a, a piece of that together. But I, I'm fearful that we're going to reach a system where it doesn't feel like that's, you know, that's, that's where we're headed. And that's the thing is, you know, I've, I've thought about promotion and relegation. I, I think that's something that we should definitely consider. You have to be careful with that though, because it kind of gives you the same problem, right? If there's a top 30 and there's a next 30 and let's just say top 30 play for a title, bottom 30, um, you know, are playing for three spots in that league the next year. Uh, you are going to have the bottom 30 really paying attention to the bottom The bottom 30, right? Because if you need to be a top three team to move on, well, you're going to take care about what involves your team, right? And so if you have to finish top, uh, the way they do it in soccer is this, guys. The bottom three teams in a league get relegated. The top two teams in the league below go up. Then teams three through six play a four-team playoff for that final spot. Three plays six, four plays five. You do it one more time, they play for that final spot. But you're really you're gonna care about, about what involves your school. This is about our schools. This isn't about like I know it's it's always about casuals. That's that's why people want you know, the casuals in there. But also like we need to have some relation to it. You know we need to have some kind of relation to it. I'll t- I'll tell you all right now, man. Like people around this around here, Arkansas care about the SEC. They care about the Hogs, right? That's what they care about. They'll pay attention to other games if it means something for them, right? But they care about the Hogs. It's very very regional, and so you start closing more and more walls off. You're you're not going to do sport any favors, and you're going to end up creating a product that is somewhat pro football. It's basically like the stars of tomorrow is essentially what this is, you know, the stars of tomorrow playing today. You know, it's and it's going to be a bunch of schools that have no history playing each other all the time. And like Alabama, Ohio State have played a lot. Georgia, Alabama have played a decent amount, but it feels like their history is being written in these like more corporate settings, right? Like national championship game here in Georgia, here in Atlanta. You know, here at uh, here in the Sugar Dome. Uh, the Sugar Bowl, you know, here uh the, the New Orleans, whatever it is, Mercedes-Benz Dome, right? Here in Pasadena where it's two teams that don't matter. don't have any history playing each other. Like that's what you have to be careful about is that these two brands who don't have much of a fan base in those areas or they have a big fan base playing these big corporate settings where it stops feeling less like college football, started feeling more like pro football, and it's not nearly as good as pro football. That's what I'm concerned about. Is my concern misplaced? I don't know. Um, but I do think, like there is, there are some reasons we should be concerned about the future of the sport after what happened yesterday. Uh, the Big Twelve being on solid ground—I'll—I'll I'll get to this in a few days. I'll Give us a couple thoughts, though. Right now, um, you know, for the conference once again that was jerked around so much to see them coming out on top is—I mean, you cannot kill these guys. You absolutely cannot kill them. They are the fighter that you have to knock out cold to get him out of the ring because he'll keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. And they have taken hits from just about every single conference possible, right? The PAC 12 could have taken publicly. The PAC 12 did say some things, right? Uh, the big 10, if they wanted to add schools, passed them over. ACC could have passed them over. The Alliance did not include them. ACC PAC 12, big 10 did not include them. That was built to combat the powers of the sec. Big 12 was basically left for dead nobody wanted those schools at the time either. They got good leadership. People are excited. They continue to have competitive games because guess what, guys, I, I can't, I can't explain this enough to you all. The one big difference from this league to other leagues, the coaching, and this is the athletic director's credit. The coaching in this league is what separates this league from every, uh, every other, every other league. Let's see. I, I always go to the FBS division one football coaches. Let's go to the Big 12 coaches. All right. Dave Aranda has won a conference title, one of the best defensive coordinators in recent memory. Kalani's Taki at BYU. I mean, he's a new one coming in. Scott Satterfield's like, these are actually the exceptions to the rule. Uh, Dana Holgerson. Matt Campbell, guys, is one of the best coaches in the Big 12. And he goes to, he's at a school right now and having some serious issues, sure. But in a terrible year last year, they had an elite defense, perfect offense, but an elite, elite defense. That was one of the best the countries, even with a bad offense. Lance Leipold, my God, this guy can build it, right? He is building it right now at KU. He gets the most out of his players. It's, people have argued that he's the best coach in the league, and they might not be wrong. Chris Kleiman just won a conference title. Another guy who is a program builder, right? North Dakota State, what he accomplished. Brent Venables, uh, going to the SEC, obviously one of the best defensive coordinators. Mike Gundy has built Wisconsin in Stillwater. He has built a powerful program that goes to bowl games every single year that develops talent, and he is adapting as a coach. It's not just spread, chuck, and go. We'll see if he can keep adapting this year. But it is ingenuity on defense. It is uh, sometimes good linebacker play. It is sometimes running the football. It's sometimes star quarterbacks and great wide receivers. A little bit of everything there. Sonny Dykes, first year at TCU, national title game. Joey McGuire, Texas Tech. This guy has more is more connected and is uh, – a relentless recruiter, right? A relentless recruiter. It looks like he's going to be doing a good job. Gus Malzahn, there aren't a lot of coaches that have beaten Nick Saban multiple times. He's one of the guys who have done so. And, uh, you know, National Championship winning coordinator as well. And then Neil Brown, obviously West Virginia. But think about like the coaching and, and the coaching in college basketball too. The coaching in this league is significantly better than the coaching in other leagues. I think about the coaching, you know, if you just go to the ACC right now, right? Look at the coaching in, in the atlantic coast conference right jeff Hathley at Boston college i think he might end up being good sure dabo sweeney really really good mike elko's in a very solid job at duke mike norvell one good season there but brent key at georgia tech what's he proved jeff brahm at louisville i guess we'll see mario Cristobal, right good background mac brown has done a lot of winning he's getting older though uh dave doran nc state consistently decent program pat narduzzi at pitt like consistently okay but i mean are these guys significantly better other coach dino papers syracuse no tony elliott virginia no brent pry at virginia tech no like the bottom of these of this coaching conference is not very good like i would take the you know the guys that we think are the bottom here i mean neil brown's the bottom bottom but like you know he even had success troy kalani's talkie you know and uh, Scott Satterfield. And, and guys like that are, were just a little bit more successful coaches, I think, uh, than some of the guys at the bottom over there. You know, I, I would take the Dana Holgerson even. Even though they haven't been doing great, Like I'd still take them over some of the guys that are over there. Uh, you know, I think Virginia Tech, like, they could take Dana Holgerson right now. They might. Well, I, I don't know. going to be bad again this year. It might be a disaster for them. But you're saying, like, the coaching in this league matters so, so, so much. And so that's great on them for hiring great coaches who have made this product compelling done a great job developing talent. They got to keep putting guys in the NFL, I'll tell you that. Got to keep doing it because the recruiting does not look like they're getting the five-star guys that you put straight into the league, but they got to at least keep trying to move towards that, uh, Kind of strive to move towards that. So I think that's there as well. And I guess the future of the ACC is the last thing. I don't know where they go from here. Uh, I, really, I really don't know what happens to the ACC. I feel like they're okay, but I, I, this the ACC situation has now gone beyond my comprehension. I do not understand how FSU plans to get out of the grant of rights. Maybe they can. Maybe they can't. I honestly I honestly don't know. It's going to be like it, the way it was explained to me it was ironclad, but once you get private equity involved, what are we supposed to be doing here? So there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of existential questions. We'll tackle them on this show, but – um, I think the big question of this was like, w- was, um, was crushing the Pac-12, you know, is it a good thing? Is all this conference realignment really a good thing? Where are we going from here? It's a big question. It's a big question. Follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. You guys can find me at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show where we get your podcast. Crystal Ball College Football. Please like, please subscribe, all of those things. Enjoy your weekend.